the Bear Down Report Podcast, featuring Brendan Chagru, Jack Wright, Logan Bradley, and your host, Ryan Dangle. Bear Down Report. All right, folks, welcome to another edition of the Bear Down Report Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dangle. I am joined by Jack Wright, Brendan Chagru, and Patrick Sheldon. Boys, Tampa Bay stomped us on the throat. It was bad. Brutal. Just a brutal, brutal loss. It's all right. I feel better about this because we have with us yet another opportunity to speak with a fan from the other side. Folks, if you like this segment that we've been doing, please let us know. We want a little bit of feedback. Uh, With us tonight is Christina the Tampa Sports Bay, that's B-A-E. Christina, thank you so much for being on the Bear Down Report podcast. Yes, Ryan, thank you so much. Thanks, guys, for having me on the show. If there's any Tampa Sports fans, go ahead and follow my Twitter at Tampa Sports Bay, B-A-E. So we have one main question for you, Christina, and that is, why did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeat the Chicago Bears? Uh, This was really a revenge game for Brady, I think, mostly because last season they should have won that game against the Bears. It was terrible penalties, just all over poor playing by, you know, the defense, the offensive line last season. So to come back and have the Bears come play in Tampa and to have a team that is better than they were last season is um, just you know, the icing on the cake for, you know, Tom and then, you know, the rest of the players who are just trying to get that revenge. Christina, one of the big storylines coming out of yesterday was, of course, Tom Brady's 600th pass, and it got a ton of play because Mike Evans actually gave it to a fan. And right, there was a absolutely. Lot of, yeah, there was a lot of negotiations. So it uh, just came out a little bit ago, uh, per Darren Ravel, the deal that has been made for the fan who gave out the ball. I, I want to read this deal, and I want to get your thoughts on it mm-hmm. as a diehard Tampa Bay fan. So the fan who gave out the ball will receive two signed jerseys, plus a helmet from Tom himself, a signed Mike Evans jersey, plus his game cleats, a $1,000 credit at the Bucks team store, and two season tickets for the remainder of this season and next. So is that a fair deal? Would you have signed up for that deal? Absolutely. Fair deal. People are saying, you know, you should have taken that ball and run with it because that's worth, you know, a couple thousand dollars. But for me as, you know, a Bucks fan, being able to give Brady that ball back and then also to get all that cool swag along with it. And that's what I was saying. I was like, at least I would need some season tickets. So I didn't know that about, I knew they were doing the jerseys, the helmet, the cleats, but I didn't know about the season tickets. So I think it's a fair trade. Christina, one last question for you. Tom Brady, when you learned the news that he was going to be coming down and playing for Tampa Bay, can you kind of put that into words for us, what that was like for Tampa Bay fans? For Tampa Bay fans, it was definitely split. I was on the side of ca- I was on the side of caution because I have seen so many quarterbacks come to Tampa and do poorly. And everybody was saying Brady was washed, that he's a system quarterback, and he's only made by Bill Belichick. Yeah. So when the news came, I was not a hater of him. I was not. I was just concerned about the things that they were saying about Tom Brady as he watched. And obviously that's not the case. Can I just say real quick, that is very surprising to hear like the fan base was split on Tom Brady. Now I know there was like a lot of things during free agency, but that is just, 
that opened my eyes that so that's that's very surprising and just really enlightening we've just seen as true bucks fans we have seen a lot of good things turn into bad so we've gotten our hopes up too much and i didn't want to get my hopes up too much Christina, I know this this was short and we appreciate you so much giving up your, your time to, to hang out with us. Folks, if you're not following Christina, please make sure that you do that. And Christina, obviously the next time the Bears and the Bucks play, we would love to have you back more than for just a few minutes. All right. Sounds great. Thank you guys. Thank you so much, Christina. Take care. You as well. Hey, Ryan, great news. Uh, haircuts from my teenage years are coming back. Mullets and perms. I think if there's anybody in this group that could rock with mullets and perms, it's me. Do you know anybody that could get me set up with that? Because I'm jacked. I'm going to get started on that right away. Well, we know it couldn't be Sheldon because he doesn't have any hair. No, so. that would not work at all. <laughs> I've got a couple, guys. There's a few. Can you do anything with those? <laughs> the perm my one hair. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if Sheridan's does perms and mullets. We'll have to ask our guy, Will. I I'm in desperate need for some fantasy. I, I, I lost the game in the last like little bit of that Sunday night game last five minutes. It was heartbreaking. Will, Will, you got to help hook me up here. Sheridan's barbershop located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois has been serving the community for 67 years. Five barbers open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They've got appointments available to book online or by phone. Sheridan's barbershop.com or 630-668-0137. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. All right, Brendan, we heard Christina's breakdown. I want Brendan's breakdown. Let's go, baby. Guys, I don't have one. I, 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 took, some, I took some inspiration from the Bears. I just didn't show up. I'm just kidding. We go down to the land of strippers and questionable decisions as the Chicago Bears visit Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. And speaking of strippers, Justin Fields was doing his best audition for the clubs on Sunday when he was stripped of the football on multiple occasions. The first one came out of right field when Antoine Dave Winfield Silver slugged the ball out of Fields' hands. When Tampa got the ball, Tom Brady made quick work of this Bears defense. First off, Leonard Cornette Fournette hit the high note on his first touchdown run. Later on, Brady channeled his inner country duo, finding Chris Godwin over Danny to give Tampa Bay 14 points, that is. Things only got worse from there as Mike Bob Evans put the Bears cornerbacks on a skillet and said breakfast is served not once, not twice, but three times on Sunday. The score at the half was 35 to three and thoughts and prayers to anyone who watched the entire second half. The Bears caught more COVID cases during the week than passes in the game and Bruce Aerial Assault Arians called off the bombardment mercifully to end this game 38 to three. I just take Christina's breakdown, which was like eloquent and just like, she was really nice. <laughs> she could have, she, she could have just like laid into us. And then the first thing Brennan drops the strippers. So <laughs> call, call more COVID cases and passes was awesome, man. That was great. <laughs> well done. You know, when, when in Tampa guys, you just you gotta lean into it. <laughs> Brendan, you are a, you are a national treasure. I just want to put that out there. All right, gentlemen, it's time to. I guess we're going to talk about how this game went. I guess uh, we're going to keep it a little brief because we've got some excellent listener questions that we want to get to. So, gentlemen, just overall thoughts on this game. We're going to go with 
Brendan, Patrick, Jack Wright, and then Dangle will finish it up. I don't really know what else you can say. I mean, this really felt like a carbon copy of what we saw in Cleveland a month ago, maybe like slightly more succinct. So uh, if the Cleveland game was like the biggest, nastiest turd you saw, this one's like a shinier turd because I feel like at least the offense was able to move the ball a little bit. And there were some bright spots, of course, with the running game, but pass protection issues once again were a major issue. And I really can't fault the defense that much. I mean, they played poorly plenty of times during the game, but when you're put behind the eight ball so many times after turnovers and short fields, there's, there's really not much you can do. So uh, unfortunately, as Matt Nagy would like to say, you take this, throw it in the trash, but that's two games we're throwing in the trash now in a month. That's not good. That trash is piling up. Yeah. I'd, I'd say for me, the theme of this game was apathy. Uh, it was an, it was an expected result. Um, the play in the field, uh, kind of, I think, you know, never want to call out players, but you could tell after after the first few series, the there wasn't as much passion on the field as you would have liked to have seen. So, um, whether it was just you know the the air taken out of the football early because they got behind, um, it just seemed like a, a really lethargic effort by the Bears. And as a fan, just kind of completely numb to this at this point. It's um, again, it's not surprising. You just go week to week and wonder, you know, how bad is it going to be now? And at what point do the fans maybe stop showing up to the games, stop buying the merchandise, start voting with their wallet? Because, um, you know, I know we'll get into this a little bit later, Jack, but uh, some fans think maybe that's the only thing that matters to the McCaskies. We didn't pick the Bears to beat Green Bay. We didn't pick the Bears to beat Tampa Bay. We know that they were facing Aaron Rodgers and then Tom Brady. Green Bay, they may run. I mean, they're going to have a postseason run. Tampa Bay may vie to repeat. So on some levels, it's not surprising. I think what's frustrating is the play on the field. There's one thing to lose, and it's another thing to just completely underachieve and be inept in so many ways. So I think sometimes people like, you know, people get mad at us when we pick against them, which I think is ridiculous. We're, we're giving in our opinions here. We, we are Bears fans. Uh, some people uh, will get mad when we don't offer any hope for how they're going to do. Um, and, and I just think ultimately when you look at the way that they play and the talent that they have, there's a real disconnect right now. They're, they're not a very good team, but I think they're better than they played at both Green Bay and Tampa Bay. This game was really hard to watch. I don't know any other way to say it. Just thinking about the defensive stance on the goal line. That was really fun to watch. Khalil Herbert run the ball, especially the fact Tampa has not given up very many yards on the ground and Khalil Herbert just gashed them all over the place. After that, it was not fun to watch. We're going to get into the Justin Fields conversation a little bit later, so I don't want to go too far into the weeds on that one. Gentlemen, uh, is, is there any way that this team this year can be fixed? No. Uh, I, you know, and, and <clears throat> I, I tweeted out uh, about um, the reality that keeping Nagy past today makes no sense. In my opinion, it can do only harm going forward for this team. But – uh, I didn't mean to suggest that replacing him at this point is going to magically turn this team into a playoff contender or fix the problems that they have. For, for me, it's really about not screwing up Justin Fields the rest of the way. 
and just getting to next year to get to that next coach. Uh, but in terms of this year, Ryan, no, I, I don't think there's any quote unquote fixing. I think if you brought in an interim coach, you may get that little bit of a, a spark at the beginning. Like you see sometimes um, when you got a new coach and, and they want to play hard for them, but long-term no, this team kind of is who they is until they can reset next year. So I have a question to clarify this. When you say fix this team, what's your end goal, I guess, for this season at this point? I think I just want to stop being embarrassed. When I saw that it was a nationally televised game on CBS, I literally, I, I tweeted out like, thank you for doing this and as much as being as sarcastic as I possibly can. The, the, I, I knew we were going to get embarrassed again. I, I understand that some Bears fans were, were feeling good about this after the way that the Bears played the Bucks last year, but I think all of us were realistic in our expectations, knowing we were going to get spanked. And we did in front of a huge national audience. So Brendan, I guess if they could be competitive, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this right now, Brendan. I think the lions have been far more competitive in their winless season so far than the bears have been in, in, in their losses. Am I crazy? No, you're, you're not crazy. Uh, and our, our buddy, Jeremy Layton, tweeted out something recently where he said, I think the Lions are the best and most competitive zero and seven team in the history of the NFL. And I'm racking my brain to think like who else might be, might top them. The thing is the bears are, it's sad to say, but the bears are better than what they played on Sunday and they are going to have some better wins. I actually, no matter what, I'm going to pick them this Sunday to win against the Niners. I just am. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to, put a little uh, fairy dust and make things look a lot better than they are. So even with Nagy, this team can sort of be fixed to an extent where they can play more competitive and they can try and sneak into that last playoff spot again. But what does that actually accomplish? You get a playoff berth only to lose in the first round probably. And unfortunately, if you are ownership, that might just be what you want, you know, because then you can look back and say that's three, three years out of four with the playoffs. And that's, it's not good enough for us, but it's good enough for them. And really right now, I think they're a half game out. So it's very realistic that this team could just be competitive to the very end and they buy into it. I mean, that is such a great point, honestly. And also just so incredibly frustrating because I mean, we're, we are stuck in football purgatory. We, we really are. I mean, I don't know. I think I would just line up mostly with what Brennan said. They beat San Fran. They're four and four. They beat Pitt. They're five and four. They lose to Baltimore. They're five and five. They beat Detroit. They're six and five. They lose to Arizona. They're six and six. They lose to Green Bay. They're six and seven. They pull it off on the Vikings. You, you see where I'm going here. <laughs> they're 500, right? So, I mean, fixed to be good. And like a championship team, no freaking way. Uh, are they going to have a losing season? I doubt it. If they do, Maggie will be gone, I think, without doubts. But it's, it, I think some of us wanted to just see a dumpster fire, you know, even on, even with Tampa Bay. I think I'm like, why am I hoping it's 50 to three here? Um, and I think maybe it's because we know that there's some wins in the future and they might be 500. And they might get a playoff spot and they might be one and done again. Oh, yeah. Just to, to piggyback off of that and circle back to your initial question, Ryan, I just want to throw out some, some numbers here, some data points. Nagy six and 21 against teams that are 500 or better. Their mm -hmm. offense has ranked 
in the bottom of the league in almost every statistical uh, offensive statistical category the last few years. They have uh, Brendan. You may have tweeted this out. No offensive touchdowns in ten point nine percent of his games. Zero offensive touchdowns. They've had five players ejected uh, in Nagy's tenure, which is the second most. Like, what more do the McCaskies need to see? What other data points do they need? I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? So if they haven't fired him now, or by now, what gives us any faith that these guys are going to get it right? And the other thing is, uh, you heard uh, last year, George McCaskey say that his football guys are Matt and Ryan. So in evaluating whether Matt and Ryan should stay, the people he, who he would consult are Matt and Ryan. Um, that makes absolutely no sense from an organizational standpoint. So no, uh, just to reiterate, I have no faith that this organization could, could get it right. I, I'm just going to say this before we go to the next segment. You know that guy, Bruce Arians, that they just coached against? You know, he was in the building and he wanted the job really bad. I think at one point he even said, this would be my dream job. And the Bears said, nah, we're going to take Mark Tressman. <laughs> they didn't. They wanted him to do a mock press conference. And he said, why would I do that when you can just look at all the press conferences I did? And that was the sticking point for Phil Emery. And God, Ryan, why'd you have to say that? <laughs> I, I heard, I, I also heard today though, that Ken Wisenhunt had signed on to be his offensive coordinator and the Bears said, no, we don't want Ken Wisenhunt because he's not a good enough offensive coordinator. I'm sorry, I couldn't even get it out. I'm just <laughs> laughing. The ineptitude of this, oh my gosh. this front office, like if you, who, who, who does Bruce want? Because Bruce can have whatever he wants. Uh, let's move on, gentlemen before I completely lose it here. It's now time for our new favorite segment, The Penthouse or The Outhouse, sponsored by Jeff Cadwalder at At Properties. Jeff knows you need experience when it matters most. Give him a call, give him a text, 630-254-4734, or visit GenevaJeff.com to learn more about how Jeff can help you. Thinking about buying or selling a home in the Chicagoland area? There's one guy and one guy only, that's Jeff Cadwalder. All right, gentlemen, we're going to do penthouse outhouse together. So give me who's in your penthouse, who's in your outhouse. We're going to go Jack, Patrick, Brendan, and I will finish it up. Okay, so in the penthouse, I've got Cole Komet, even though he had a big drop, I'm fully aware of that. He had five receptions uh, for 43 yards uh, and an 8.6 yard average. He continues to improve, which is great. Um Roquan became a major topic of discussion on our text thread this particular week in terms of the extent to which he should be placed in the upper echelon of linebackers in the league, or if he just looks great to Bears fans because of the shallow Hal effect. He's not that good, but because he's in Chicago, you know, maybe it's that we think he's better than he is. I thought when he made that tackle for loss, that answered some questions. He had uh, 13 total tackles, eight solo tackles, and one tackle for a loss. I would also like to throw out um, some um, penthouse props to Peters, O'Donnell, uh, Jesse James, A-Rob, and Mooney, all of whom had a tackle. So congratulations to them. Just a quick shout out to DeVore and the other three Kings of the Midway podcast. We didn't necessarily agree with you guys, 
but we listened and we had a long conversation about it. We all laughed at the shallow Hal uh, effect, which I think that was all Devore. So Devore, shout out to you, buddy. Uh, that was a good one. Yeah. So my penthouse and outhouse is maybe one of the more perplexing themes of the season. Uh, penthouse, the run blocking, fantastic. Khalil Herbert, 100 yards. Uh, I think they rushed for about 140 total on the day. Again, um, have looked fantastic this season, run blocking, whether it's Damian Williams, Demo, Khalil Herbert, whoever's back there, they seem to be opening up holes, something that uh, I don't think we would have imagined under an Nagy offense a couple years ago, right? But then the pass blocking, as good as the run blocking and it, the run blocking is, the pass blocking is that bad. Um, I don't understand it. So uh, I'm not a, a an offensive line guru. Maybe if we have somebody out there, we get on the show, and break this down. I, I don't understand how they could be so good at run blocking and and literally among the worst uh, protecting Justin Fields. So that is my penthouse and outhouse for the week. My penthouse, got to start with Cairo Santos. Literally the only reason the Bears did not get shut out one field goal, but he got it. He was one for one when he was put in position. So good for you, Cairo. I'm proud of you. This one's going to be, you know what? If Cairo's in like the top penthouse, this one might be like the penthouse bathroom. You're still part of the penthouse, but you're kind of, you know, like not as good. I do want to give some credit to Eddie Jackson. Some. I thought Eddie Jackson played much better. He was in position to make plays. He should have, should have had a turnover or two. But I thought, aside from one glaring run, run from Leonard Fournette where he completely went the other way, I actually was impressed at times with what he was doing. I thought he responded well, and he caused Brady to look normal at times with closing on certain passes and really disrupting wide receivers. So it wasn't perfect, but after the scrutiny that he's had over the last couple of weeks, I'll give him some credit. So just you're in the penthouse bathroom, man. It's nice, but you're still in the bathroom. Outhouse. Gosh, I, I think I'm going to just stick stick to a couple people here. And it's really just people who a lot of the undisciplined players on this team. And let's just single out Bilal Nichols for another. I think, Patrick, you mentioned earlier, yet another ejection. How many times do these players need to be told that, hey, don't get provoked by the opposing team? They're going to bait you. And teams are clearly seeing this because now this is at least the third week in a row where the opposing team is jawing in their face. They're grabbing them a little bit. And what happens? The bears are always the one to retaliate and get flagged. You see it time and time again. And Bilal Nichols was just the unfortunate recipient of that ejection when he punched a guy in the helmet. And also, why are we still punching guys in helmets? It's a helmet. Don't break your hand. You are a valuable player on this defense. So it goes to Bilal Nichols, but it also goes to the entire coaching staff and Nagy for just the basics of not keeping your players disciplined and not ha- and having that be an issue now for the last couple of years. I can't understand it. A closed fist punch to a dude wearing a helmet. I don't get it. It's odd too, because Ted Phillips told us that the Bears culture is the envy of the league. So <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So on the outhouse side uh, of the docket for me, you mean you don't no one needs me to tell you how bad the Bears offense was, but here we go. Um, punt, punt, interception, fumble, punt, fumble, field goal, downs, interception, interception, punt, end of the game. 
That speaks for itself. That's my outhouse. The penthouse, uh, I don't know how I can say anything other than Khalil Herbert. I love watching this kid run the football. I asked a question and I got a really strong response and I understand it. You know, people thought that I was taking a stance on this, but you know, just I like to play devil's advocate when I asked who's better, Khalil Herbert or David Montgomery. I believe David Montgomery is better, but Khalil Herbert is pretty, pretty damn good at football. And I want to see this kid run more thinking about the one, two punch of those two guys. Even if Damian Williams never takes another snap and you put those two guys out there, that is, it's going to be fun to watch. Tampa Bay was averaging something around 50 yards rushing a game and the bears just throttled them. Three points doesn't really do much there for you, but at least they put up some yards. And so, you know, we had, we had that kind of sort of going for us. The outhouse, I, I, I just, I'm going to just say it really quick and I'm, I'm going to try to move on as quickly as I possibly can. Matt Nagy, uh, we all got really close this week. Is that why you got COVID, Matt Nagy? Uh, it just, the irony of that statement, Corey Walsh, you pointed that out too. That, that was absolutely brilliant. The fact that, oh, we've all gotten really close. Dude, I, I get the sense that you feel like everybody's getting close, but everybody's moving one step away from you. I know, uh, Brendan, you tweeted a little bit about the Jalen Johnson posting on Instagram, the uh, the late find that it, it wasn't that he was late or that he was fined. You you do the crime, you do the time. But the thing that was the big deal was the fact that he put it on social media. Airing dirty laundry is a surefire sign that a coach has lost a locker room. Yeah, after that comment, and you guys had texted me because I'll get into this later, but I wasn't able to watch the game live. And he just said, oh, wait till the post-game conference, my friend. And uh, that was bad. But it really sounds, it's getting Mark Trustman-esque where it just the the stupid, like, well, we had a good week of, we had a good week of practice and our guys are really fighting. Like, no, I don't care how close you're getting because it clearly, it's not showing on the field, on the football field here. So just enough with the stupid kumbaya crap we just want wins. We just want points. I know you actually mentioned it in your press. And I'm talking to Matt Nagy here. I know he mentioned it in his press conference on Monday, but that's all we want. We don't care how close the guys are, how much you tell that to us. It's just meaningless at this point because the results matter on the field and we're not seeing it. Shout out to Mark Potash. I think uh, challenged him on that comment in the press conference today and said, you know, do you understand that that rings hollow to a lot of fans that w- the results aren't translating? So um, he really, really challenged Nagy. And I, I love that question. Uh, so shout out to Mark. I think it's all he's got left. I mean, the only thing that I think he could say that he's good at is building relationships because he's clearly shown he's terrible at offensive scheming and he's shown that he's bad at leadership um, I think, you know, your guys' discussion earlier about the about punching in the helmet and, you know, I, the way that the team has handled COVID, it didn't sound like he even understood the COVID protocols when he was being interviewed. So, I mean, I think all he's got left is, man, uh, you know, happiness and hugs and feel goods is what he's got left. I think I tweeted it a couple of weeks ago that this is Tressman era bad. Maybe it was during the Cleveland game. I remember distinctly and i'm trying to find it i posted on facebook facebook is this social media site for old people uh just for anyone that's listening um and i think i posted on facebook the day after Nagy was hired i said this is going to be tressman 2.0 and then in 2018 i'm like oh i gotta eat my words i i can't believe i, I guess i predicted it, it. i guess sort you of nailed it, man. 
<sighs> All right, gentlemen, let's give out game balls. Uh, this is going to be really tough considering the Bears got throttled uh, and only put up three points, but I'm, I'm sure we can find something. We're going to give out game balls. I want to go first. I, I hardly ever go first, and I want to go first. I hope that's okay with you boys. So I'm going to go first, then we're going to go Jack, Brendan, and Patrick will finish it up. My game balls go to three people, Lance Briggs, Olin Krutz, and Charles Peanut Tillman. The reason why is because they are holding both the Bears organization and some of its players to a higher standard. A lot of people will complain at some point, hey, you guys are a podcast. You never played a down of professional football in your life. You don't know what you're talking about. But they're saying the same things that we're saying. And when that happens, then you know it's, it's not just us. It's not just fans that are bitching just to bitch, right? There is some legitimate reasons to be frustrated with this team some legitimate reasons to be frustrated with Eddie Jackson and his lack of tackling. And then that dude had the audacity to go after Lance Briggs. Lance Briggs is an all pro Lance Briggs is a super bowl player. And Eddie Jackson, you had one good season. And since then you have been awful. And to hear these guys finally say it, and you know what? Sure. They didn't call anyone out per se, but to, to hear Olin Crude say that he wanted to punch Aaron Rodgers in the face and all these other people are like, well, you know, you shouldn't really say that. What are you talking about? Yes, that's the fire that we've been missing. And it's been so frustrating to just watch. You know, I heard Cole Komet and he's totally reasonable in his response saying, you know what? Aaron Rodgers has kind of owned us, but you know what? I want to hear, I want to punch that dude in the face. I want that fire. And, and, it, and it just hasn't been there. And Peanut Tillman, I just, is there a more beloved bear, former bear? I mean, I just, I love that guy. Peanut Tillman, if you want to come on the pod anytime, man, we just, we got an open space for you anytime you want. It would be so nice to, to bring back the peanut punch, wouldn't it? I'm going to give out, hopefully this isn't too many, Ryan, let me know. Uh, I'm going to give out 600 game balls. Is that all right? Are we going to go through each of them? Every or... one of them. 600 game balls. No, we'll just do it real quick. So I'm going to give out those 600 game balls to to Tampa Tom, Tom Brady. I mean, he's excellence personified. I mean, we were watching the greatest. We're so lucky. We got to watch Peyton. We got to watch Jordan. And now we're watching what might end up being the greatest quarterback to have ever played the game. And then I don't know if I can finagle. How about what if I give out 9,522 game balls? Could I do that? Is that too many? Jack, stop asking questions and just get to the point. Okay. So I'm going to give out 9,522 game balls for every single dollar that Mario Edwards was fined for pointing at Aaron Rodgers. One of the most ridiculous, egregious, idiotic finds I've ever seen in my entire life. And I just wanted to fit it in somewhere because I thought it was so freaking stupid. $9,522 for pointing at Aaron Rodgers after Aaron Rodgers, clearly in the film NFL, pulled his face mask down. Come on. All right, guys, I'm going to go off the beaten path here. I'm giving the game ball to myself because for those who don't know, and got, I know you guys know this, I'm sorry. You got two weeks in a row. You got game balls two weeks in a row. Good for you, Brennan. Let's go, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot you did that. <laughs> you know what? Whatever. This is a completely different reason. So you guys know this, and I made a big deal about it on Twitter, but I don't care because this was my marathon, damn it. So on Sunday, I had a christening I had to go to, and I promised my wife I would go. It was a family friend of hers, and it was, you know, it was a Polish christening. So nobody cared about like the bears, nobody cared about football. So I said, okay, 
I am going to record this game, watch it later, turn off my phone for hours and not get any updates, not spoiled. I know very well this could be a blowout. And I did it. I didn't check my phone for six hours. I got home. I turned on the TV. I just went straight into it blind. And I sat through that craptacular debacle, that (laughs) vile football. And I just sat there and I was like, I could have just easily checked the score and saved myself all this embarrassment. My wife even checked it. And she was, she just didn't say anything to me. She's like, I know what you're going into. Like, she's like, I'm good or bad. I'm just not going to say it. That's love. And I didn't turn on my phone until halftime to text you guys like, wow, this was bad. So this was my marathon. I was getting the sweats. I was getting nervous. I had bets going, but I stayed true. <laughs> I had some drinks. I had some food and I was able to persevere. That is really hard to stay in the moment. I mean, even when I am watching games, it's all the resolve I can muster to not check my fantasy every two minutes and not check my wagers every three minutes. I have to talk to myself and say, hey, just give it like 20 minutes, Jack, and then you can check your wagers. So I fully understand what you're saying and you do deserve a game ball for that, man, because that's not easy. Here's the here's the thing though. And yes, you're right. Like you're checking your, your phone every which way. You guys know the awkward silence when you're at these gatherings, when like people are just doing their own thing and you don't know anybody and your first instinct to go is to go to your phone. I couldn't do that. I'm literally just staring off into space and I'm like, you know, looking back at like old tweets or like when my phone was still on, it was like on airplane mode. I, you know, just couldn't see anything new. So I'm scrolling back at old tweets that I might've been able to miss. I am like, just check dying, out the decor. trying to like, yeah. Was like, that? Boy, that check potato out. salad was awfully good, wasn't it? Check check out how other people decorate their houses, you know, just like. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. I'm just sitting there like people are on their phones and I'm just like, I can't do anything. This is awful. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I just had to throw that out there. It was I, I was impressed by myself. Well, that is that is certainly impressive. And uh, for my game ball, uh, not that impressive, but um, I'm going to go off the beaten path as well. And I'm also going to give my game ball to Tom Brady, but probably not for the reasons you think, Uh, not for perhaps driving the final nail into Matt Nagy's coffin, not for being the goat uh, and, and dominating the bears on Sunday Uh, and not even for um, hooking up uh, the fan with a bunch of merch for giving back the 600 touchdown game ball. But for another moment that I don't think got enough attention certainly not as much attention as Um, Some of those other things I just mentioned, but uh, there was a moment where Tom Brady saw a fan. His name is Noah Reeb. He's a nine-year-old from Utah, a cancer survivor that was holding up a sign that said, um, Tom Brady, help me beat cancer. And Brady noticed the sign. He went over to him, shared a, a really special moment, gave the kid his hat, but even more so just had a little chat with him. And, you know, that's a, that's a connection and a moment that that kid will have for the rest of his life. And it was so cool to see. And I wish it got more attention because in a, in a, in a day of fan misery, that really kind of underscored what's truly important. And uh, you know, that really quickly put things in perspective. So shout out to Tom for making that kid's day and, and for sharing such a special moment and uh, shout out to Noah for kicking cancer's ass. So uh, my game ball goes to the goat, but for, uh, for very different reasons. Sheldon, you just kind of put us all to shame. 
I don't, I just like, <laughs> we, we did funny stuff and you did this like beautiful, like serious moment here. And like, we're all th- like, I got a single tear rolling down the side of my face. Like, Oh man, I'm a dad. He's a dad. Like, Ooh, you know, and, and now I feel like a jackass. So. Yeah, I'm so glad you went last. I got the new dad hormones too. I'll admit I was, I was on the couch watching the game with my, my two older boys um, who were old enough to watch. And I'll have to send you all a video of my, my middle child breaking down plays on the chalkboard. I'm convinced it's better than Aggie's. So I'll, I'll text you guys that after the show, but yeah, I was, I was sitting there watching the game and that moment came on. It was just like, Oh man, just really kind of put me in my place. I'm like sitting there bummed out, feeling bad for myself because the bears got their asses kicked yet again. And I'm like, eh, this is, this isn't that important. Um, with that said, I'll be just as angry this Sunday if they lose to the 49ers. But uh, it, it was just an awesome moment. And you love to see stuff like that when when the players realize that they have such a profound impact on on people's lives and fans' lives, and especially kids. And for, for Tom to recognize that and to make that connection, I just thought it was awesome. Putting things in perspective, as, as they should, which is awesome. Uh, Sheldon, great job there. All right. Uh, we got a lot of phenomenal listener questions. Uh, let's start off with our good, good friend, Scott Squartz. Uh, Scott uh, had two good questions. Uh, he's got a kind of a ridiculous one, which we'll start with. And then he's got a very serious question, which we haven't really talked a lot about the Justin Fields situation in the last couple of weeks. So we definitely need to devote some time to that. But first, let's start with this one. And Brendan, I know you're you're aching to get to this one. Uh, food that you love, but you you just can't find anymore. Uh, what was he saying? Was it Jello pudding pops or something along those lines? whatever it was uh so gentlemen think of a food you love but you can't get anymore i mean right away and i can't i i it's a it's my good buddy matt on twitter i know he's going to jump up and scream when i say this it is the mcdonald's and wendy's snack wraps guys do you guys remember the snack wraps they had them a few years ago specifically mcdonald's no oh my goodness i am just speaking to the wrong audience these things (laughs) are incredible or were incredible just pieces of fried chicken and a wrap. They were so cheap and just, they, they went down so smooth. Wendy's and McDonald's had them. Wendy's just got rid of them like a, right after the pandemic or during the pandemic. Cause they just couldn't make up anymore. And I swear to God, every time that we see McDonald's is like, Hey, we got a surprise for you. We're like, bring back the snack wraps. Like this is a movement I need to get behind. I think Matt and I are leading the charge. It's it's, I, I can't believe you guys haven't had these. I'm going to make, this is, this is probably going to make me a little unpopular with some of our listeners. I don't think I've had McDonald's in over seven years. Dude. Good for you. I wish I could quit it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wife and I used to do McDonald's breakfast on new year's day. And just at some point I was like, nah, so we're just, yeah, I just, I haven't had McDonald's in a really, really long time. So now you're better than us and Patrick's better than us. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Me and Jack are just going to join our own club here. You guys, yeah. you know, just complete <laughs> suckage over here. Well, Shelby, we are, but that's because crew. that's because we like the right kind of Oreos, Ryan. That has nothing to do with <laughs> McDonald's or anything else. It's just, yeah. I, that, that got me thinking. And I know uh, on the fast food topic, Burger King used to sell mini sliders, like before sliders were cool in packs of three. I don't know if anybody remembers those. Um, I used to take those to the house on a regular basis. Granted, I was only six, but I did it nonetheless. Um, So I wish they would bring those back. This is a phenomenal question, Scott, and I'm really glad that you asked it. Uh, A lot of people right now are starting to jump on the Justin Fields is a huge bust 
Uh, Justin Fields has struggled. And, uh, you know, here's Mitch Trubisky 2.0. And, you know, Scott wants to know where does the really, where does the fault come to? Uh, Dan Orvlovsky, I think, has gotten a lot of things wrong. Uh, some of the things that he said about Justin Fields pre-draft were just bad. Uh, I don't know how else to spin it, but I think he nailed this on the head. You know, there, there. We look at the five turnovers that Justin Fields had. The first one um, is 100% of the coaches. Uh, the coaches in the headset, which most of you have heard at this point, said, "Hey, 12 men on the field, snap the ball right away and just chuck it," because you got 12 men on the field, you got a free play. Uh, That's the second week in a row that Justin Fields should have had a free play. The first time was the referees uh, issue. This time it was the Chicago Bears coaches not being able to count. You heard me say that correctly. I just want to put that out there. Uh, That's the, the coaching staff that we have. The next two fumbles that took place. He had 1.96 seconds and 2.01 seconds in which to get the ball off that that's just, that's not possible. Uh, You know, if, if he's scrambling out, maybe he has a chance, uh, but in two seconds or less getting the ball out, I mean, human beings can't process information that fast. The dude had no shot. Uh, Lechavius Simmons was just brutally bad. Now, obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about the tackles a little bit later, but, but just really bad. Um, and then the, f- the, the, the interception uh, that came off of Moody's hands, uh, I disagree with him a little bit. I think that ball was a little bit high, uh, could have been a, a little bit more catchable now, but yet again, Mooney did get his hands on it. And then that last interception was bad. Justin Fields hasn't been the guy that we want him to be. He hasn't transcended scheme. He hasn't transcended the the offense that is here, uh, but he has no offensive line. He has, well, I should say no offensive line for pass blocking. He has receivers that are dropping balls, both tight ends and receivers. He has one of the worst offensive coaches in Chicago Bears history, which think about what I'm saying there. That's, That's really quite profound. He doesn't have a lot of help. And uh, right now, frankly, I'm a little bit worried that, that this coaching staff is going to ruin him. So one of the things that we chatted about briefly, Ryan, was that from pro football focus, uh, these stats, from just 14% of Fields' sacks have been on him. This ranks 15th in the NFL, a better clip than Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. 88% of his sacks have had the, OL, the, the offensive line with some responsibility. And that's 11th highest in the NFL and highest among rookie quarterbacks. So it's not to make excuses for him. I think you're right. He's not played overly well. But, I mean, the offensive line and its weakness, I mean, where else do you point when it comes to offensive inefficiency and just complete impotence? I know they're on their fourth and fifth string, but ultimately you do nothing without an offensive line. The Kansas City Chiefs showed you that in the Super Bowl last year. So why do we expect the Bears to be any better with the offensive line that they're trouncing out there? Yeah, and to add to the terrible offensive line, receivers that can't get separation, I'd be interested to know what PFF says about the Bears' ability uh, to get separation because at least on the plays that I see, it doesn't look like he's got many options to go to uh, when he does have time. So, you know, look, I'll admit I was, I was wrong about Matt Nagy. Uh, I was bamboozled in 2018. Um, then I, I, I still don't think Mitch is the guy, right. But I wanted to see if Nagy was the guy with his quarterback and I, he clearly he's not. And he had 
you know, all the same issues last year carried over into this year. And I don't know what people expected out of Justin Fields. Like he's, he's a rookie. Justin Herbert may have ruined fans on our expectations for a rookie quarterback, but I, I think it's unrealistic to think Fields could come in and transcend the crap that is Matt Nagy. Um, it's just too tall of an order to ask of a rookie quarterback. Uh, one more thing that I'll, that I'll say, Boomer Sison, uh, like I'm not a big fan of his. I, I, I think he has a lot of bad takes, but one of the things that he said that really stood out was this kid can't read defenses. Go back and Mitch Trubisky, what, can, what can't that kid do? So either the Bears have a proclivity for drafting quarterbacks that can't read defenses or their head coach can't teach their quarterbacks how to read defenses. Uh, I, I don't know all of it. Justin Fields is, is, a, is a far more talented quarterback, far more talented than Mitchell Trubisky. But this offense just is really bad. And I'm terrified that Matt Nagy is going to ruin this kid uh, beyond repair. I want one final word on this. And I'll keep this really brief. Justin Fields has been able he's dissected defenses in press conferences before. He's been able to clearly show what looks the defensive backs are in. So I don't understand that comment. And I'll just say it's okay to be a little concerned because you just haven't seen it yet. There's no reason to panic. Until you see it actually start to click, I think concern is okay so long as you keep it in context. Like we all said, he's a rookie. He's learning under a bad offensive staff. Let's see it progress and hopefully get better next year. Chad Beasley, good friend, asked a question about money. Jack, first, Chad, before Jack says a word, you got to know this dude went crazy doing some research for this question. Uh, Chad, it is because we appreciate you so very much. Your questions have been phenomenal and your support. So thank you so much for that, Chad. It's a question a lot of Bears fans ask, you know, is it is the, is the McCaskey family in the business of making money or or are they in the business of trying to win championships? And so Chad asked in 2021 for a team like the Bears with a huge fan base, TV contracts, et cetera, does winning uh, big or losing big even affect the bottom line? Uh, he says, I think they want to win. They do spend to the cap after all, but do they really? So, you know, we've broached this in the McCaskey management several times. So just a a little bit of backdrop here. So the McCaskey family bought the Bears in 1920 for $100, which equates to about $1,300 in today's money. The Bears are currently worth $4.1 billion. So straight to the question and i did one year of john fox 2017 just to get a comparison and then the rest of the years are, are matt Nagy. so in 2017 the bears went five and eleven and they were worth 2.9 billion dollars in 2008 in the first year under matt Nagy, they went 12 and four and they were worth 2.9 billion dollars in 2019 they went eight and eight and they bumped up to a worth of three billion dollars in 2020 they went eight and eight and they stayed at 3.5 billion dollars 2021 they're currently three and four and they're worth 4.1 billion dollars if you also look at whether it's player salary or whether you look at revenue they are right on par with most of the teams in their demographic Ryan and I talked a little bit about this. The other markets that would would compare, not New York City, there's 7.4 million households. LA has 5.7 
million households. Chicago has 3.4 million households. Philly has 2.9. So you look at maybe Philly and I don't know, the Chargers or the Rams. And in terms of both revenue and in terms of player salaries, um, the Bears are incredibly similar to those organizations. 85% of the money that the Bears receive, and this is crazy, by the way, is from revenue sharing. The NFL makes so much bank on TV contracts, on the red zone, on the app, on all of it. And then I thought this was interesting. The market itself, the Bears market equates for 7.4%, the stadium for 2.8%, and the brand itself for 5.3%. They're a little lower on the stadium because they don't own it. You know, and I think that's probably why, why if you want to make a case that they're out for money, then Arlington Heights really would validate that because now all of a sudden you're making money in all these other areas. And also you're able to boost your total profit and revenue by doing a stadium deal and then doing a hotel around it and all the other extras like the Boston Red Sox or like the Chicago Cubs. So you, I think you can make a case either way and I'd be interested to see what you guys have to say about this. But to me, it looks like they, mon- they make money either way, ultimately, that they're their worth, their net worth keeps going up exponentially. It appears as though when they have successful seasons, that does boost their net worth. So if they are spending money on players and if they are trying to win because they know that that will equate into more revenue and greater team value, then they're either just really terrible at it when it comes to putting a team together or they don't care because the money goes up either way. I think they want to win. I just don't think they know how. So I, I want to just, I mean, all those stats are just incredible, Jack. I, I really just commend you for pulling all all together in such a Thanks. short amount of time. So well done. And you're right. The TV revenue, the sh- revenue sharing really drives a lot of this. And once the TV contracts are up and new negotiations and new contracts are signed, that's really when you're going to see a lot of those NFL teams continue to rise. I wanted to pull back a um, an interview I actually had with Jim McMahon a few months ago because this came up sort of in a way. And I asked him just about the possibility of the McCaskey selling and selling the team and just kind of what he thought about that. And he told me, quote, I said it 35 years ago that they should sell the team. There's so many great fans of the game in Chicago that want to buy the team and make them competitive every year. And then he questioned, he basically said the McCaskies only cared about money. They didn't care about winning. This is back in the day, so things might have changed with uh, Michael McCaskey, who used to be the president. He said, I had one meeting with Mike McCaskey when he was president. He told me, we don't really care if we're in the playoffs every year as long as our stadium's full. McMahon said, that's when I knew I didn't want to play there anymore. I'm a player. We only have so many years to play. We want to win. We don't give an expletive about your stadium being full. So clearly, from the mouths of Babe, Mike McCaskey said, I don't care if we win. I want our stadium full. Granted, he's you know, he's passed away now, but still, you know, you see a lot of motives and I'm not sure how much has changed under the McCaskies now. Yeah. Ryan, I agree with you. I I just think they're incompetent where I think money comes into play is if they, they're not an organization that uh, will make change easily, they will do it kicking and screaming. But one thing that will spur them to change quickly is if they start losing money. That's where I think money motivates the McCaskies, not necessarily their day to day. Cause I think Jack's right. They're going to make it either way, but if they feel like they're starting to lose it, uh, that will spur them to make some changes. 
And in 36 years, they've stayed the course, right? And in 25 of those years, Ted Phillips was in his position. The only thing that could happen is something like, you know, the Cubs completely revamped their front office. The Blackhawks completely revamped their front office. You could tell, cause they're not gonna sell, I don't think. So you could tell Ted Phillips, you're still in charge of the money, man. You're good at it. There's no doubt about it. We're gonna put an office for you over in Arlington Heights and you can just control the money. And then over here, we're going to hire the best brain we can possibly find to start taking control of football and football ops to hire GMs, to hire coaches, et cetera. And, and, and they're gonna take care of that. That's our only way out. Otherwise we're just here, stuck here. If they keep staying the course, we're stuck. See, but here's the thing, Jack, when you mentioned those two other teams, the Cubs sold from the Tribune to the Ricketts before they actually got good. And then Blackhawks, Bill Wirtz died. So it's yeah. took over. And he so had- aside from that, what are we going to do here? Right. That's a great point. Yeah. Good friend of the podcast, Jeremy Layton, asked a question that I think we need to spend a little bit of time on. So I'm going to give uh, each of you a quack at this one. If you could fight, you had to fight. One horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses, which one would you fight? Let's go, Patrick, Brendan, Jack, and I'll finish it up. Yeah, I'm assuming bare hands, so um, I'm going to go with the horse-sized duck um, because I feel like I'd be overwhelmed by 100 duck-sized horses. Oh, definitely agree. I mean, duck-sized horses, those things can still kick, man. And you got a hundred of them coming at you. You're going down pretty easily. A duck is, I feel like I, I, the only thing that would scare me about the duck is it could fly like that. That would be kind of an issue here, but I feel like I'd stand a better chance against the duck. Go for the legs. Those things, those things are still pretty skinny. I wish I could go oppo, but I'm with, I'm with you. I think one target is going to be way easier to fend off than multiple tiny little quick targets that are like, it'd be like death by a thousand cuts. I might not be able to beat like the one horse sized duck, but at least I've got just that one target and maybe I've got a better chance. I'm just going to go that guy that I'm going to say, I'm going to take the hundred duck sized horses just because you can, you can kick them for a while and you know, sure they bite, but they're pretty tiny at that point. Are they really going to do a lot of damage? Uh, Plus you have nunchuck skills and you have bow staff skills. And yeah, we, we saw a picture of Ryan in his karate uniform, like ready oh, to go. He would like, destroy he's ready to fight. those ducks. <laughs> Let me just say, Patrick Sheldon dropped a tweet that we're going to talk about during Thanksgiving. And it really tested our friendship. And <laughs> Sheldon, Sheldon, we're cool. But if you keep keep up that slander, man, I don't I don't I don't know I don't know what's going to happen here. Uh, speaking of of Sheldon, we've got a question for you, David Mears, uh, a friend of the pod. Uh, so shout out to you, David. Uh, asked about our rookie offensive tackles. Uh, I think a lot of us uh, obviously are thinking about the offensive line, and so David asked that that great question: What's up with these guys? Yeah, so we all know the Bears don't give out any information. Even the beat guys have trouble getting information about injuries. Nagy's word salad offers no further illumination. So you have to kind of scrape together what information's out there and uh, arrive at your own conclusions. And so here's what we know. Um, we know Borum is was last last week uh, eligible, excuse me, this, this past Sunday, eligible to come off of um, IR and play, and he didn't. So um, it tells me either A, you know, he's still feeling some effects of that shin injury 
or maybe he's not in game shape. I'm hoping it's the latter and he just needed another week to maybe get back into uh, to game shape and, and he'll be out there Sunday against the 49ers. Um, Jenkins is really the concern for me because as of, I think it was five days ago, uh, Nagy said basically no change. Um, so I think if you're expecting to see Tevin Jenkins suit up this year, you're probably going to be disappointed. Do not uh, expect to see him until next year. And if he somehow comes back this year, that's, that's just kind of icing on the cake or, um, but I would be surprised if you don't see Borum this Sunday or the following week and, and Lord knows they need him. Uh, Matt G, Matt, I don't know what your last name is. You only go by Matt G on Twitter. Uh, basically wanted to know, how is it possible that Little Caesars is still just five bucks? All this inflation that's going on, and it's still a freaking deal. Gentlemen? Because it's Little Skeezers. I mean, it's been Little Skeezers for decades, and it's not good za. Listen, I, you don't find, like, how many times have you ever had bad za? I mean, it's got to be really bad pizza to be bad. I could probably count on one hand in my whole life. Even the like the poorest of pizzas, still pizza. You know, you're gonna tear into it. And I would say that Little Skeezers isn't just straight dog water. But if if I have choices, I'm not going Little Skeezers even for five dollars. I'm a grown ass man with an income. You know, I'm getting Lou Malnati's. I'm gonna get something. I don't drink bad beer anymore. I don't eat bad pizza. Wow, listen to this money bags over here. But Matt G, thanks for thanks for phoning in. You are pizza shame, man. It's 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 pizza. Let the man eat the pizza that he wants. Yeah, he, he was so, talking to you. You do it, you, so. Matt G, you do you. Also, sometimes maybe like you don't want to wait 45 minutes for your pizza to be ready and you can just like stop in, pick it up while you're getting something else and just have some mediocre pizza. Also, Matt G, that's the guy I was referencing in my McDonald's stuff. So I'm so glad he put that question in. Let's but go. yeah, I mean, it's also just like uh, the Arizona Arnold Palmers or the Arizona drinks are still 99 cents. You know, some companies really commit to their products. And I give Little Caesars all the credit for that because Lord knows going back to McDonald's, I remember back in the day when a McDouble was a dollar and now it's two twenty. I think it's disgusting. <laughs> Last listener question, and it is from our very good friend, Mike Gus. Mike has been on the show a couple of times. Mike, we are still thinking about you and your wife, and we hope that you and your, your family are doing well. Uh, Mike asked this one, and oh, I hate this question. I, and also, we're, we're going we're gonna to add it to it just a little bit. If you had today to sign one of these guys to a 10-year guaranteed contract, are you taking Matt Nagy? Adam Gase or Mark Tressman? Which one are you taking? Boys, you have to pick one of the three to a guaranteed 10-year contract. Who's it going to be? Let's go Jack, Brendan, Patrick. Okay, well, Adam Gase is definitely the last choice. A dude is either possessed or like a zombie or I can't exa- – I don't even know, but he's like – he's so far out there. Uh, I'm not going to go with Tressman. I just think he was ultimately – you know, out of his league. He couldn't, he couldn't handle it. I'm going to go with uh, Nagy surprisingly, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give him the Bruce Arians, you know, approach and say, Hey, stay out of the offensive room. 
We don't need you in there, man. We don't need you in any of the rooms. We just need you to like be the basic figurehead, do all the love and we got so close and we are like, you know, so close in the last few days, do all that stuff. That's your jam. But you're just going to try to like basically stay out of the rest of it, please. Yeah, I really want to be contrarian, but I'm going with Matt Nagy too. I mean, Adam Gase is a walking disaster. Like the guy, I don't know. There's an article from a couple years ago about just how obsessed with football he is. And it's borderline terrifying. Like he literally like was in the room for his child's birth for like 10 minutes and then said, okay, I'm going to go study again. And Mark Trustman, I mean, I, I, I look, you can say things got really bad or are getting Trustman level bad. They will still never ever be as bad as they were in 2014 with the infighting, the 50 burgers, the back-to-back 50 burgers. So Matt and Aggie's not great. And we're probably going to be stuck in football purgatory, but at least we're not going to be an embarrassment every week. Brendan, can you still say that after the article that you wrote about Mark Tressman's podcast and he had Brandon Marshall on there? Yeah, that was something I was not expecting to run into last week. So, uh, yeah, Mark Trussman has a leadership podcast, <laughs> a leadership <laughs> podcast. Wow! And he had Brandon Marshall on his leadership podcast. <laughs> and he said he was ahead of his time. <laughs> he said, bizarre world. He's so, yeah. ahead, of, ahead of his time. So Mark Trustman had Brandon Marshall on and they were talking about leadership and Brandon Marshall told, first off, I didn't even know they were like cool because I thought they like hated each other. But Brandon Marshall told Mark Trustman he was ahead of his time, quote, (laughs) you were ahead of your time. And if there's one thing you could potentially have done differently is understand that. But I don't know if you could have Marshall told his former coach and I wrote this. So this is weird. The old way of doing things in sports was, hey, I've got these four leaders. You guys are going to do everything. You guys run the show and all that. And then you just came in and you brought in what everybody is adopting now. And he basically said he failed because the old locker room of Briggs, Peanut, Peppers, Erlacher, who had just left, they, they were all in that. They couldn't adapt. And I just could not believe it. I'm like, first off, the, Mark Trespin just had no respect at all. He was leading from the back of the room. I have a, a really great, I'll save it for another time, but there's a really great Earl Bennett story when I interviewed him to kind of get into about that. But no way, man. I love Brandon Marshall too. He's like one of my favorite players, but no way you were ahead of your time. You just, you were too scared to actually lead the players. And now people are adopting a more collaborative, sorry, collaborative mm-hmm. environment. You That's not the it. same thing. Yeah, those options are terrible. Uh, but for me, the question's a no-brainer, and it's Nagy, unfortunately, um, who's been the only one of those three who's demonstrated the ability to somewhat keep a locker room together through tough times. So um, if I'm going to be stuck with somebody for 10 years, it's probably going to be have to be Nagy out of those three. Gentlemen, this has been just a very different podcast, but an incredibly enjoyable podcast. To all of our listeners who sent us a question, thank you. Uh, We loved them. We absolutely loved them. And please feel free to keep sending those questions uh, and making us laugh uh, in a lot of cases. Time to give shout outs, gentlemen, time to give shout outs. So we're going to go Patrick, Jack, Brendan, and I will finish it up. Thanks, Ryan. I've got a few shout outs, uh, actually two. I had three, but um, you caught me and I'm going to save 
that one for Thanksgiving. So thank you. Uh, so my two shout outs, I'm going to go with my neighbors who um, don't even know that I do this stuff or I'm on Twitter, so they're not going to hear this, but I feel, um, I feel compelled to thank them. Uh, by the way, food trains may be the greatest human invention of the last century. People just sign up to bring food and show up with, to your door in like nice Tupperware containers and all the accoutrement. And uh, they say, here, eat this and then bring back the Tupperware whenever. But we understand you've had a baby and we're trying to help you out. So neighbors have been awesome. We haven't had a cook for the last like 10 days. It's been phenomenal. So thank you to my neighbors. Um, and then I want to give a shout out to uh, to one of my followers who's been with me for a while. Um, I love chatting with him. Great dude. True biscuits and gravy. Terrible food takes. My gosh, true. Like terrible. Um, terrible food take. I'm sorry. But really good dude. So uh, give, go give him a follow. Um, just don't talk steak with him because, um, whew, boy, we're going to have to have an intervention at some point with that kid because um, hockey puck may be too – um, undercooked for him, but shout out to true. You're a great dude. Uh, go give him a follow. I feel like it's a good thing. Brendan's not in your neighborhood. Cause you would get like unlimited little, little skeezers and Mickey D's on the food train. Yeah. Can we, do we have an analytics department? Can we see how many shows Brendan makes a fast food reference? I think everyone I've been on, there's been at least one. I, I, I trying to get I was like the only... a, a gig with Matt Nagy to do McDonald's commercials. I thought oh, I was the only awesome. one that noticed that. I was like, whoa, Shagru is there all the time. I'm not there all the time. I just think about it a lot. <laughs> there's a difference. Uh, I worked there in high school. That would be like a game for some great stories, honestly. The other uh, shout outs for me, the other guy uh, that was a former bear, Ryan, you were mentioning earlier, some of the other greats, Matt Forte. He's bringing it lately with all kinds of honesty uh, about the bears woes. Um, I didn't go to U of I, but I, I know like hundreds of people that did. So shout out to the U of I fighting a lion eye in their nine overtime win. That was bonkers and, and, and a lot of fun to watch. And then last one, um, shout out to the Sycamore Spartans. Uh, my son Jack uh, goes to high school in Sycamore. Uh, their team was six and three this year. They made the playoffs. They play Evergreen Park uh, on Saturday. And uh, so good luck to the, to Psycho, the Sycamore Spartans. All right, my shout outs. I'll start with uh, my guy, Kevin Kadick. He is, of course, the author of Midway Minute. And he's just doing so much. I mean, this guy, every single day, he's putting out just a daily newsletter of all things Chicago sports and just a great dude, great follow, so knowledgeable. Um, obviously, it's a plug for Midway Minute, too, if you're not subscribed, but Kevin's just awesome. And I, I really enjoy just, you know, getting to know him over the last like year plus. That's and then I'm also awesome. sorry, sorry, Brennan. That site is yeah. awesome. I checked it out. It's really, really cool. Yeah, he's he's incredible. And just the amount like every single day, all that content. I mean, you know, I contribute to it, but I don't do nearly as much because he's he's running it. So just kudos to him and just shout out to him for everything he's doing, because it's a great read. And then I also want to shout out my guys uh, at the tailgate show. I know their stuff sometimes isn't for everyone. I think they have some very strong opinions and they stick to them, but I do enjoy interacting with them. They've, uh, you know, shared a ton of my stuff and it's been fun going back and forth with them. So everybody there, uh, B Quinn 34, Aaron tour, and then air Jer 54, all those guys, 
I like them. It's uh, it's been great to get to, you know, engage with them. And uh, I just, honestly, I like how they just don't give any Fs. They, they just are themselves and for better or for worse. And it just, it entertains me to no end. Well, I've got uh, a quite a few shout outs to give just like normal folks. I, I can't go through each of the listeners that, that gave us questions. You guys already know that we, we appreciate you and thank you so much for sending those in. Uh, at King Mullet, uh, the Mullet King comes up with some of the craziest tweets and some of the things back and forth. Sometimes I can't tell if he's joking or being serious, but I don't care because uh, we, we've had some good ones. And I hope that Khalil Herbert jersey goes well for you and your wife doesn't get too mad at you, buddy. Uh, my NIU Huskies are bowl eligible. They are six and two. They are six and oh in the Mid-American Conference. They were down 18 points, came back to win 39 to 38 against Central Michigan University. It's really fun watching a team that has offense guys like really like it's, it's fun to watch and, and they score points like 39 of them. So that, that part was awesome. So uh, Rocky Lombardi who led an amazing comeback uh, shout out to you, Uh, Ryan McHugh, who is uh, the Hinsdale central varsity offensive line coach. We've had some really great back and forth. I know he's a huge bears fan and a great dude. Absolutely love interacting with you. So Ryan, um, I, I, the playoffs are coming up here. So good luck to you uh, and the red devils. I I know you guys will, will play well. So best of luck to you. Uh, A friend who is not on Twitter, Mark Michaels, Mark. And I go back to the third grade. He is a diehard bears fan. He's living in the Bay area and just gave us a follow. So Mark, uh, I hope you are doing well and I hope your family is well. All right, folks. If you have liked what you've heard, please hit subscribe. If you really like what you've heard, hit us with a five-star review because it really helps to widen our audience. But if you have loved it, if you've loved anything that we have done on this podcast, or you just want to support us, uh, you can go to beardownreport.com, go to the podcast section, click on any one of the pods, and you will see there is a donate button there. Don't feel that you have to, but if you want you can go ahead and buy us a beer. And what we'll do is we will shout you out on this podcast. And who knows, maybe at some point, we'll actually be able to buy you a beer in real life. We'll see what can happen. We cannot, we cannot say thank you enough for all of you who listen, for give us this opportunity to, to talk bears every week. And, uh, you know, I just, I know I speak for all of, of my co-hosts when I just say, man, this is fun. It's, it's fun to be able to do this and fun to know that, that people are listening and enjoying it and sharing in some of the jokes and some of the other things, the, the conversations that we've had. So folks, truly, 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 thank you. Thank you very much. For Jack Wright, Brendan Chagru, Patrick Sheldon, I'm Ryan Dangle. For all of us at the Bear Down Report, thank you so much. And as always, folks, bear down.